Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to a Mentally Yours Christmas and New Year special. I'm Yvette Caster and today I'm talking to comedian and author Laura Lex. We're going to be chatting a bit about mental health stuff, but mostly about festivities, fun and football manager Jürgen Klopp. So how have you been since we last chatted? Um, what's happened and changed in terms of your work? I mean, there's been obviously the big pandemic. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, pretty much everything this year has not stopped um, changing my plans on me. I was so I was supposed to be on tour this year. I was supposed to go to New Zealand for a month to do the festival. I was supposed to do Glastonbury, and none of that's happened. But instead, I've written a book. I've I've learned to do stand up to my webcam and hope that it's uh, amusing people at home. I've done stand up in a drive through. Um, yeah, this year has been about constantly pivoting, really, and just kind of learning to, to to try and keep up with the ever-changing rules on what we can and can't do and just finding any old way to get money coming in to pay the mortgage. How have you found that, sort of having to pivot like that? Because it sounds like you had a really sweet year sort of lined up, um, <laughs> but it also sounds like you found some really other sort of great alternatives. Yeah, I'm really proud of myself, I think. I think what I know about myself is I'm quite good in a crisis and then I fall apart afterwards. So weirdly, I'm really dreading next year. Um, I, I want the world to go back to normal, obviously. I'm really looking forward to everybody being sort of safer again and, and being able to get out in the world. But I think I'm really good when I'm needed to 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 cope and then at the point where I've got reflection time I sort of tend to go oh we went through something really big didn't we and I just have a wobble then so this year I can look back on this year and go yeah all those things didn't happen but hopefully they're just pushed into the future a little bit and I will do them and I'm I'm really impressed with myself for 
keeping money coming in and like I've been teaching stand-up over Zoom, just earning, you know, 20 quid here and there, doing an hour lesson for people. And I'm really proud of myself for doing that and the book deal. But I'm, I'll be interested to see if I stay as sort of steady next year. Well, I mean, it's interesting that you've already sort of reflected on how things might be next year, because I suppose there will be listeners who'll be sort of the same. You know, I suppose a lot of people have been feeling like we're sort of really fighting through this year and almost living on adrenaline. And then I suppose hopefully things will get better. And then we are sort of left with that. Oh, what what, what do we do now? Have you thought at all about um, putting things in place or have you thought at all about resolutions for next year or is that sort of way to in the future? Well, I don't, I just don't know when it's going to be because I sort of, you know, I'm saying next year, I'm I'm not thinking it'll be January the 1st and we all wake up and go, yay, (laughs) this is better. So I don't don't know really because it's hard to know until you know how far away it'll be. And also I think potentially one of the things that will really help is that it will come gradually. We will ease back into life gradually rather than the way we were sort of forced into lockdown, which was overnight, everything just went. Um, Potentially, you know, as the vaccine starts to get rolled out, you know, you'll just find that hopefully by July, I'll wake up and go, oh, I'm back to how I was this time two years ago without noticing it. That would be ideal. But if not, I think... When we went into lockdown this year, I was quite quick to phone my GP and go, I think I should go back on my antidepressants <laughs> because this year has pulled the rug out from under me and I just want a bit of backup. So I think I'm in a good enough place that if next year floors me, I can call for help, which is nice to know. That's really good. I mean, that's it's great that you sort of that you did that definitely. And because um, sometimes it can be hard, can't it, with, with mental health stuff? Because Sometimes things sort of so get so bad that you almost forget to reach out for help, or um, yeah, you know, get so depressed that actually reaching out is quite difficult. Um, oh yeah, completely. It's it's the worst, isn't it? It's your brain just going, "Don't make yourself happy." But I think I think I now appreciate so much how good the help can be. And I'm so scared of going back to the worst place I've been in with my mental health that I think, I hope, anyway, touch wood, (laughs) that I feel okay about asking for help now because I can't go back to the worst that it was. Mm. So I will do anything to just keep away from that edge. Mm. I'm really pleased that you had a good experience with that. And it sounds like you have a good, is it, do you have like a GP or do you have like um? the community mental health team that you're sort of now in contact with basically have you got sort of like a a program now of of how to deal with things um not so much no I've got I just sort of contact my GP and to be honest he was amazing he was so good I I live in a middle of a city so I don't see like a regular GP every time that knows me and the family it's just you know whoever gets my appointment but he was so good and I just sort of said I know I don't respond well to change I have noticed my paranoia was the thing that was creeping up in that first week of lockdown. Like I'd I'd send somebody a WhatsApp message and if it sat on red for more than two hours, by the time I went to bed, I was going through every interaction I'd ever had with every human being on the planet, trying to work out why this person hated me and what I'd done to upset them. And then I sort of, you know, it takes a couple of days before you click, hang on a minute, this might not be rational thinking. (laughs) So I thought, right, before this turns really, really bad, let's call and just get a little bit of bobbing along help just to sort of 
give myself the best chance of being able to cope you know yeah that's brilliant and I'm really thrilled that your GP was supportive like that and actually I suppose on the flip side because I know people have struggled but I think other people have maybe found it easier to reach out to GPs by ringing them or chatting to mental health professionals by things like Zoom Um, because if for instance you you are sort of depressed or it can be sort of easier to do that rather than having to you know shower get dressed go down to the surgery and do all of that stuff so yeah Yeah. I think also like I think my big fear with with reaching out for help with my mental health was that I always worried that I wasn't the worst so I thought like how can I ask for help I'm kind of fine you know I'm still working I haven't thrown away my entire life by drinking it all up the wall or cheating on my husband or quitting work or just not showing up. I'm still reliable. I'm still functioning. So what am I going to tell this person? Like when they say, okay, why do you need antidepressants? Is it this and this? And I'd have to say no to all those things. And the only reason I wanted them was because I didn't feel happy. It took me a really long time and I really remember the first time I went to see somebody about it and I was have I was in the midst of this dreadful eco anxiety so I was just tearing myself apart thinking about the environment all the time and I sat down in front of this GP and I said like I can't stop thinking about climate change I can't switch these thoughts off blah 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 and then I was waiting for all these questions about how I you know physically couldn't cope with the world and she just looked at me and she went do you think you're more worried about this than the average person and I was like well I'm in a GP's office crying about it is this everybody else you're seeing (laughs) in a day or and and she just said okay what help do you want do you want therapy do you want antidepressants and I said no thank you I don't want antidepressants and she said okay it'll be about eight months for the therapy then um cool let's put you on a list and I sort of thought no I can't leave here without some today help Mm -hmm. so then I said all right then I will have the antidepressants but it was just such a different experience to what I thought I thought they'd try and push pills down my throat and I thought the antidepressants would turn me into a zombie and I thought they wouldn't let me have them because I wasn't the worst case scenario and actually if you're not happy then that's all the reason you need to get help you don't have to there isn't like a it's not triaged, you know, <laughs> there's enough help mm. to go around. And absolutely. And I really also I agree so much with what we've just said, but also just the fact that I think, you know, we're, we are, I always kind of think we are really helping the services, the NHS, if we do sort of reach out sort of early on, because mm. I think the worst thing we can do for them as, as well as ourselves is to sort of wait till things are at a really, really bad place or crisis point. Um, because yes, they will sort of get involved then, but if we if they can get involved earlier and we can sort of be supported in a regular sort of way beforehand, it's it's, it's less work for them really. <laughs> We're making less work for the NHS, I think. Um, so you talked also about sort of your work and some of the new things you've been doing. So doing comedy on Zoom and teaching on Zoom that sounds brilliant, and also your new book. What if anything do you think good has come out of twenty twenty? Because it does sound like you've actually learned a lot of new things and sort of been doing a lot more things. I, for all this year, has been awful. I, I've had some magical moments this year. I mean, I've always known about myself that I'm a very sociable person, but I suppose this year has has proved that more than anything, that I'm stuck in a house with all of my possessions and what I want is to be outside with people. <laughs> so mm. that's been amazing for me to learn that, to, sort of to have that proved, you know. The, the other thing, I suppose, has been that my husband and I are both comics and we spend most of our time on the road, and this year has been the closest to a sort of normal and in inverted uh, quotation marks, you know, inverted commas, and, and as close to a normal sort of family setup as 
as we've ever had. We've spent more time together this year than we have in the rest of our marriage combined. We've had dinner together nearly every night (laughs) where normally we might have one or two lunches a week together because we're just away so much. We, you know, and I think, I hope I will have the strength of mind to take that forward with me and sort of go, being exhausted because you're so busy isn't like a badge that you win. Nobody's looking at you and going, cool, she was busy seven days last week. She's the winner. If you can achieve everything and still have rest days and time with people, then do it that way. It's nicer. (laughs) I'm such a workaholic and I really have a tendency to to just keep going until I can't keep going and and not being able to do that this year has just made me go, oh, there's no prize for being that workaholic martyr. Just make yourself happy day to day. That's such good advice. I wish someone had sort of told me that years ago because <laughs> yeah. I've, done, I've done just the same thing, you know, expecting to some have some sort of magical prize appear at some point being like, oh, well done, you've worked these ridiculously long hours and all this sort of yeah. stuff. And you're thinking, why have I done that to myself? Because, you know, it hasn't been good for mental health and all this stuff. I always think it's funny this time of year when you watch Christmas films or like family films and there's, you know, like the big mean dad that's a lawyer and he answers his phone during mealtimes and he's dreadful, rah, rah, rah. And then I think, oh God, that's me. But because my job's the arts, everybody goes, oh, that's just what you got to do to succeed. And, and you sort of think, well, for how long though? I mean, I've been doing this for 10, 11 years now. And I had I had everything on hold for it, you know. And this year sort of let me pull my personal life up a bit and go, well, where's the shame in that, in taking a Saturday off every now and again to have a barbecue or not having to look at the six wedding invites I get a year and choose which two I can go to because I can't have a weekend off for the other ones. Like, as long as I can pay the mortgage and, and not let anybody down, then why, why am I pushing this ridiculous level like what's the prize at the end of it and do I want that prize more than I want the 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 family and the friends and the stuff going along Mm. that's such an important thing I think for people to think about for the new year I think a lot of people will be kind of making those sort of resolutions or just thinking about that sort of thing for next year although next year will be strange won't it because (laughs) I don't know if a lot of people will be making resolutions because it is just sort of most a lot of people's resolutions I think would just be to know let's get through till sort of March or April when things are sort of kind of maybe back to normal. For yes. So we're chatting a bit about New Year's and Christmas, as we've already sort of touched on. Um, are you a fan of um, those usually? And do you have any sort of fun traditions that you usually do? Um, Christmas, yes, I'm a big fan. I love the build up to Christmas. New Year, no, I don't really care for New Year. Why um, I just... I don't know. I guess because the celebrations that go with New Year are a bit more like go out and drink and party. And that's just not me. So (laughs) I always work this year then. I mean, this year, I I'm pretty sure no one's going out this New Year's. I mean, how can they? Yeah. Do you know what they stand up for me is the best thing on New Year's Eve because stand up shows on New Year's tend to be sort of eight till about 10 o'clock. The audience generally is people that are also um, interested in going out clubbing or, you know, so they've chosen something that's a bit different and a bit, a bit more sedate, but there's still that nice party atmosphere. And then everybody's done by 10 o'clock and we all go home. <laughs> and so I get to show off for 20 minutes and mess about and do my favorite thing. And then we all go. So I, I will miss working on new year's eve but um yeah i suppose i'll have one at home and watch jules holland and do what 
people do. Normally, like when the fireworks go off, I'm driving somewhere. So it's always my favourite thing. I, I be, Which road am I on when all the fireworks go off and what will I see? It's um, interesting that you'd normally work. I hadn't really thought about that. Even though the fact that last year I actually went to a comedy thing and it was really nice, <laughs> exactly because of what you it's said. Lovely, because, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, my friends and I have sort of got to the sort of age where we feel like, oh, I can't really do the whole drinking and spending an insane amount of money on going out and clubbing and stuff. And also we feel a bit too old for that. And so we're just like, oh, yeah, comedy will be great. And it was <laughs> lovely. Um, yeah. But I can see why you'd sort of, you'd miss that. Um, and I'll miss it as well. It'll, yeah, it will be odd. Um, what do you really love about this time of year in terms of Christmas? Well, oh, I'm going to sound like such a twee little matchbox child now, but I, I love, I love that we just go out of our way to be better versions of ourselves. Um, like from putting twinkly lights on things to make them prettier to sort of how gutted we are if we can't see everybody. Like I, I have a big family. I have four siblings. They've all got kids and partners and, you know, my husband's got siblings with children and partners so there's so many people to get around and see and and I love that and I know that the commercialism is a problem in some ways but also I think like we're spoiling each other we're not really spoiling ourselves we just want to pour love on each other and I think living in like a bit of an uptight society which I don't dislike most of the time I don't want to hug strangers and high five and cheer and whoop not at the moment no no (laughs) but you we you know we don't get a a lot of chance to look your sister in the eye and go I really love you here's how much I love you or just here's a thing that I hope will make your life nicer so I just I I don't know I'm a big old sap but I love it I, I really love it. And I love that, like, I'm not religious at all. So I, I wouldn't mind if we did this in the middle of June. I don't care that it's Christmas, but I like that as a society, there is time off for a lot of people. And I wish that it extended further into retail and hospitality so that more people knew that there was going to be this untouchable couple of days a year where they just got let off from the rat race and, and mm. allowed to be at home with people. It would be nice, wouldn't it, if everyone was was off? Really. Yeah, it would be, if I was Prime Minister, it would be the first thing I'd do is go Christmas Day and Boxing Day, you know, no, nothing is open. <laughs> Maybe skeleton staff at a, a supermarket for people that don't want to have the day off work, but nothing else. <laughs> you don't also, need next sale at 5am on Boxing Day. No, I'm not a big sort of fan of all the sale stuff, but also like, you know, the, the way that the government sort of managed to, find money and stuff to support people through the pandemic I I guess I have kind of thought well if you do have that sort of way of doing things maybe you could do that every few you know every year I don't know that's a probably extremely unlikely and I don't I know nothing about politics or economics but um do you have a funny Christmas or New Year story um that you'd like to share with us (laughs) well um I have a terrible New Year story Um, (laughs) bring it out the worst New Year's of my life because I put my foot in it so badly. I've been gigging and it was at a really lovely club where I'm very good friends with the producer. So we were we were doing the show and then everybody was going back to their house for a, for a party. And there was one act on the bill where everything had sort of gone a little bit wrong and it had sort of gone a bit awkward with the um with the audience it it went all right but it was just a bit you know a little bit off and I happened to be driving with their producer to the um to the new year's party and we sat down and and I thought the the guy in the car said something about um 
oh, I'd be surprised if we're invited back after that. And I sort of went, oh, goodness, no, it wasn't that bad. Like, you know, this bit went a bit weird. But, you know, other than that, the audience were loving it. Like, don't worry. And then there was this silence in the car. And he looked at me and went, no, I just meant to the party because last year we spilled a glass of wine on the carpet. And then there was just the world's most awkward silence where we both went, hmm, well, I've really just given away that I did not think that your set went particularly well. How long was that journey that you were with them for? Like, Oh, well, about four seconds after I'd said that, all the fireworks for New Year's Eve went off. So we were sitting in standstill traffic going across London with fireworks everywhere and just the most awkward so <laughs> inside this m- Nissan Micro, whatever we were in, it was, oh, it was, it was honestly like a, a an awkward scene from a sitcom. It was horrible. It's really got me thinking though about because you sort of saying about working on New Year's. I'd never even thought about comics because obviously I think about you know doctors, people in the ambulance, all that sort of like I said shop workers. But um, yeah, there must be quite a lot of comedians this year that are sort of at a bit of a loose end and doing things differently it's a, it's a bit of a strange yeah one. I mean Christmas I think is the hardest time for comics because we earn the bulk of our money in December um doing Christmas parties in corporates and and that sort of thing is where you make enough money that you can cope with the low fees the rest of the year because I think it's a real misnomer about comedy but comedy pays dreadfully we for most gigs you still get paid what people were getting paid in the 90s um and there's no sort of increased fee for how far away the gig is from your house so sometimes you're asked to drive to manchester for you know i live in brighton for 160 quid so by the time you take fuel and a hotel out of that sometimes you can do a 15 hour drive plus a show and take home 25 quid after tax so december's where we make that gap up we charge a lot for doing christmas parties because they're difficult and they're not very fun for us so (laughs) you Mm. you charge through the nose for them you know and and you make up enough money to cover the the deficit the rest of the year so this year's very difficult for a lot of comics because that that point where where we sort of make it work isn't there I guess it's similar for musicians and people in the theatre as yeah. well. People always think of, you know, the the bigger names or people that might, they might see on panel shows and they'll they'll just assume that they're all getting sort of big fees. And, mm. and then if they see someone at something like Glastonbury or Edinburgh, that they will be sort of doing quite well. Oh, but, but obviously, yeah, no. <laughs> like Edinburgh, you can for, to do the Edinburgh Festival. Most people would expect to lose between five and ten thousand pounds. So we are working for minus money. Like one year I worked out that my Edinburgh show, you know, I did the show every day for 29 days and I paid £150 a show for the privilege (laughs) of doing that. Um, With Glastonbury, I think Glastonbury pays, but there are definitely some festivals out there that don't pay the acts at all. They just give them a ticket for themselves and a, a friend which is fine if you've got another income but like I've certainly had to turn down big festivals because I've had to say look this is my profession as fun as it would be to come to a festival for the weekend I can't because mm-hmm. I've got to earn that weekend yeah. um no I was just gonna say you I mean you do get an element of that in journalism and, and writing oh, yeah. days, to be honest you know lots of people sort of saying do you want to take part in this or or write this and oh sorry we can't pay you and it's I'll do some unpaid but at the same time I'm trying yeah. to get better at kind of picking and choosing now because, I, yeah, I can't work for free. 
Um, no, absolutely. And also, like, you have to sort of work out whether you're selling out other people. Like, I, I, I had an offer this year for something, and I sort of had to say no, because although like I could really use that money, and I can do it, and it, and other people sort of would go, hang on a minute, that's a lot of money for very little work. But you had to sort of go, well, actually, it's selling out what everybody else needs to get by as well. I think you have to think of it like that sometimes and go, if I say yes to this, then that's going to be the set fee. And just because I can afford it because I've got these other income streams, that's not fair to other people who rely solely on this. Yeah, it's fascinating. And it's I guess you must really love the job. I mean, there's an element yeah. of that as well, isn't there? <laughs> it's all I ever want to do, stand up. I can't believe how much I've missed it this year and like, the the physical effect of not doing it is painful. Like when we got back to gigging a little bit over the summer and um, up until this lockdown uh, last week, I had a few live gigs and just the adrenaline back in the body and how relaxed I felt like waking up after a gig and you just go, Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's different. It does something physically that just makes me feel amazing. I love it. Um, Oh, Tell us about your book. We sort of mentioned it. So it's Klopp, actually. Tell us about that. What was the, what inspired <laughs> you to write that? And what's that all about? Um, so it's a bit of a daft story, but back in March, just as the first lockdown was sort of on the cards, um, I was in a hotel in Glasgow doing my last gigs before it all went kaput. And, and I was feeling quite insecure and nervous because I was sort of so far away from home and we weren't really sure when lockdown was going to land or anything or what was going to happen. Um, and I started idly tweeting about, um, imagining I was married to Jurgen Klopp because he's really sensible. He's the Liverpool manager. Um, he's really sensible and pragmatic and lovely. And so I sort of like, oh, I bet he'd be a really sensible, nice husband to have who would just sort of calmly hold your hand and be very practical and serious and brook no nonsense. Um, and I started doing this thread of different scenarios of of what it would be like, you know, like, oh, we'd go to Ikea and and I'd be like, oh, can I have this lamp, please? And he'd be like, no, we're just getting the things we came for. But then he'd let me have some dimes at the till anyway, because I'm cute. Um, and this thread just took off. It went crazy, I think, because everybody was on the Internet and sort of panicking that, that this sort of fun little escapism, nonsense, silly, harmless thread was it just caught people's imagination. So it went really viral. And then people started getting in touch and saying, like, have you ever thought about writing a book? And suddenly literary agents and publishers were... I was having Zoom meetings with lots of people going, we just love this thread. We think there's loads of potential for a book. So yeah, signed a deal and, um, and came up with this concept to write like a, a yearly, a year's diary of imagining you were married to him and, and everything that would happen in a year. So it's a sort of funny romantic comedy book about um, sort of coping with anxiety via an imaginary husband. <laughs> Amazing. Have you heard from Jurgen Klopp? Uh, no I haven't uh, I think he has a copy of the book I sent him one via somebody that is friends with him um, but no I, <laughs> I haven't heard whether he likes it oh, well fingers crossed for New Year's that's my wish for you for New Year's or Christmas but, <laughs> but Jürgen Klopp sends you a nice message just saying thanks <laughs> thanks for our imaginary marriage it, you know I really enjoyed it that'd be nice um, just to finish up now uh, would you mind sharing with us your favourite Christmas cracker joke, please. We've been asking everyone this. Oh, it would have to be um, 
my favorite one-liner joke is an old Milton Jones joke. Um, and it's if an earl gets an OBE, does he become an earlobe? That's uh, that's a nice intellectual one, and I like that yeah. as well. And basically, I'm just noting all these down for my own sort of family to give them something to be entertained because I've got sort of nieces and nephews. So, <laughs> so just sort of, just, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Another one of Milton Jones I like is um, uh, I saw a dead baby ghost on the pavement the other day. On second thoughts, it might have been a handkerchief. Oh, and I, I like just think that. that's adorable, isn't that that's just so great. lovely? <laughs> that is great. I like I like how it's a bit macabre. That's really yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, um, Laura. Is there anything else you'd like to add at all about what you're working on or what you've got coming up? Um, if 2021 awakens, please come and see my tour. With any luck, my 2020 tour that should have been finished in June will be starting in January. <laughs> so um, I would love to see you there if you'd like to come. Some is goodbye from mentally yours. So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from If you've been affected by any of the things we've been chatting about today, give the Samaritans a ring. You can call them on 116-123 or you can find them online at samaritans.org. If you've liked today's episode, please give us a rate and review on iTunes and come join us on Facebook. We have a group called Mentally Yours and on Twitter we're Mentally Yours spelt Y-R-S. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 